I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey! Sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown live show. First one in the offseason of 2023. Uh, certainly a lot to talk about as we approach the draft in a couple days, and a huge blockbuster trade that just happened over the weekend. As always, I am joined by Andrew Combo Salaf to discuss all of that. hope we all are all here, ready to go uh, in the chat on a nice Monday evening. So, Combo, what's going on, my man? That trade was a blockbuster, huh? Kind of crazy. Um, I feel like for the Wizards, like I didn't like it for them, and I didn't really like it for the Suns as well because the Suns didn't have to give up much, and the Wizards didn't get much. And the first thing I thought about in this trade was just like the redundancy of skill sets with those three players. I think we've seen that before on Kevin Durant teams, but not to this degree. Well, uh, Wait, so what other Kevin Durant teams have we seen redundancy like this? Um, James Harden, Kyrie, I mean, they were all scorers, right? Last year, there was a little bit of redundancy in the mid-range with Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Chris Paul. There was redundancy for different reasons, but I think, you know, with the Warriors, there wasn't any redundancy, I don't feel. Like, I felt like they were all, they all had their unique skill sets. But this is just like, you know, a lot of on-ball scoring for one team. But obviously, crazy talents, right? So maybe you could defy the odds with just how talented they are. Yeah, I mean, I kind of have, so I spent a a lot of time today going through a ton of footage to try and identify what the video was going to be, which I think I'm going to try and get done by tomorrow before I get on the plane. So so stay tuned for that. Please watch it a couple times. Um, And and you are right. There is a lot of sort of on-ball creation that happens from both KD and Booker and now Beal. Um, and I went through, it was funny, I guess when you're looking at it in that context of how those two guys were operating, I didn't look at it that way during the finals or during the playoffs in the, the last, you know, five or 10 games we had of KD in the regular season. So you're looking at it now, like how did Booker and KD interact? Uh, uh, CP3 was on the court with them for some of it, but he's washed, right? I don't think we can, I don't think it was going to argue with that. So it almost is like, okay, what was the issues with the Suns, what they needed to shore up? And one of the things I I felt like was the spot-ups was not good for them in that it's a catch-all category for synergy, for instance. Um, And it it deals with a lot of things. It's catch-and-shoot threes. It's also when you hit what you do in your drive. But there is an indication to me that, like, both KD and Booker have the ability to draw a lot of defenders. And even when KD was out there with Booker, they were still doubling him, Booker. And so they were able to create easy opportunities for all the teammates around them. And what would happen when they got those opportunities? It wasn't great, Bob. And so if you're picturing, you know, instead of throwing the ball to a wide open guy in the corner in like Okogi, right? Suddenly it's going to be Beal catching that pass. And while Beal isn't even the most amazing catch and shoot three point shooter, he's actually, it's pretty good. You know, his numbers are pretty good on that end. Uh, but he can create himself. And so now you're going to have like secondary action being created on drives and kicks. And then suddenly you imagine, you know, Booker and KD are now benefiting from that as well. And that's, that would be big for me. 
Yeah, well said. I also think like it depends on this is incomplete, right? It depends on who they add to the roster because it won't be just Bradley Beal with those catch and shoots. Like we got to see who else will be the recipients of these passes. Big problem here is they don't. They need that. They're, they're going to need three point shooting, primarily because the other two positions are going to get a lot of open shots because they're going to load up to stop those three guys. Who is that going to be? And a campaign is really he, his his shot is, is streaky the best. Um, Okogi is definitely not that guy, uh, and maybe over the summer he'll develop something. But they they you, you need to have at least one elite three point shooter and somebody solid alongside them because otherwise. It's you know we saw what happened in the playoffs against the Nuggets where they weren't scoring well at all. I mean they, the two games that they won they got some bucket baskets uh, you know in the high scoring, but the other time they had a game where they scored like eighty some points and it was ugly. And so when they were loading up on those guys and the other the other people uh, the role players and the Suns could not really get anything going. It was ugly. So they're going to need to really you know find guys like that. And again, we haven't even talked about defense. But um, at the very least, you're going to need better spacing on there. Because, again, Aiden is out there. Who, By the way, mid-range is, is good. What, what is the latest on Aiden? It seems like everyone is so completely down on him that he, they don't think he can play. And I, I'm confused by that. From what I'm hearing is that it looks like there's a chance he could be traded for some depth and defense. I don't know how many players you could get for one player because everything's changing now. But I think that's the way they might go because I don't think he's going to be happy with his role there. And that's another thing. Will Bradley Beal be happy with his role there? That's a whole other question because he's so used to having the basketball. But I'm sure he knows what he's getting himself into. Yeah. Well, that's, we'll talk about that right now because that's an interesting uh, uh, consideration as well. And don't forget, if you have a question out there and you want to ask, have it uh, answered, uh, Super Chat's the way to go on YouTube. We put it up on the screen. We give you some love. It really helps us keep the, uh, the show going. So, you know, if you're out there on YouTube, definitely – Hit us up on a super chat and we'll answer your questions. But uh, the thing with Beal was I was talking to him, I think, uh, two seasons ago during the summer. And it really felt like he was ready to go then. And mm. like he, he, he was expecting a trade. He was going to get off the Wizards. It's going to be a whole new thing. So I think he's had a couple seasons now in that sort of mindset where he's now ready to like to, to be part of a good team and blend in as much as he can. I, 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 I believe that. Um, I think that he's got that kind of mentality and personality where he can be that guy. Uh, and I've, and I've known him for a while. I've interacted with him, you know, sporadically, you know, over the years, that's my take on just being, seeing him work out and seeing around him. He seems like the kind of guy that has that, that sense of like, I want to blend in. I know how to do that. Um, I've gone through uh, a lot in my, in my career with on bad teams and, you know, I want to make this work. So I think that that's not an issue. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, listen, in theory, if he wants to play that role where he'll be off ball a lot more, then he should really flourish. I mean, that should not be an issue. But that, that said, do they want Booker being the guy on ball bringing it up? Uh, I, I guess they can. Is campaign going to be the fifth starter here? I don't know. Nobody knows. There's only five guys signed, so nobody knows. And, but Payne is the, one of them, right? Yeah, Payne is one of them. Um, my question to you is do you feel like he'll blend in almost in a way like, and he's a different player than these guys, but do you think he could be a superstar in his role like Aaron Gordon or Andrew Wiggins, like a really talented player being a part of a championship team? Do you see that for him? Yeah, right. Can he be that guy? Or, or was he always just like, you know, filling up the box score on? Right, because when he averaged 30, he was very high usage. I he think was. he was top, he was. he was, I think he was top five usage in the league. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he could. I think that there is a version of the Matrix where that happens, right? He can really plug in different holes and be that guy and, and just sort of thrive off of the other two. You know, I think uh, KD coming in late, too, he was sort of 
he didn't do a lot of pick and rolls uh, out there with them. He was more ISO and just sort of playing off of guys. So they really didn't have a chance to kind of figure out how that's all going to work together, which is important. So a lot of what we saw, I feel like, is kind of gets thrown in the window. Another reason why it does get we can't we can ignore some of it is that you know they have a new coach, and I tweeted it out earlier today. If you didn't see it, I tweeted out the Frank Vogel teams the offensive rating rank uh, of his teams in, throughout his whole career from Indiana to Orlando to L.A. It's not good. He's, he's almost never had, you know, in anything above like 20th ranked in offensive rating. Uh, even with those, with the one team they won, they weren't ranked very high offensive rating at the Lakers. And uh, they had, you know, they had LeBron and AD. I know there, there's always injury issues, but still like, you know, that shouldn't have been that low. Um, so they retained the, uh, the assistant who was going to be in charge of the offense, as I understand it. And, and Vogel's going to focus on defense, which is important. Um, but that's the other question is I, I would suspect offensively, they'll probably keep a lot of things in place. Um, you know what I mean? That will, uh, we, we know what Booker does well coming off them some screens, although they kind of adjusted that too, going through his actions, they, they, they don't do the same things they had been doing years before with him. So, and we know KD likes to come off of screens. So it's going to be a real challenge to even try and predict what's going to happen here because there's a lot of variables. And it probably the most important thing is what you said is who's going to be the other seven guys on the team. Yeah. I think if they build it out in the right way, they could be a very fun team. They could be a team that does some damage in the playoffs. I do not see this team winning a championship just from the chemistry standpoint. On top of that, even if Bradley Beal mentally wants to be that superstar in his role – there is some muscle memory when it comes into the play just from playing a certain way for so many years. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I mean, there is evidence of him off the ball in last year, you know, so he was doing it, but you know, not a lot. I kind of thought it'd be more. Um, And so, yeah. And there's, you know, he's got the same issue and the redundancy that you're talking about as well would be like the, the pull up from mid range. And, you know, Booker is really good at it. Certainly KD is the best at it. And, um, you know, Beal isn't the best at it. He isn't that good. And so you're going to add another guy like that again, which is another reason why I'm stressing. They absolutely have to have just snipers out there. And who are they? Who are the snipers that are going to be available that they can get? That's the problem. And if you're too busy to cook this summer while you're developing your game, then skip the grocery store and the chopping, prepping, and cleanup too by ordering Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kits delivered straight to your door. If you're trying to get back in shape for the beach, try Factor's delicious dietitian approved calorie smart meals with no more than 550 calories per serving. You can choose from 34 plus chef prepared options featuring premium ingredients such as broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. Not only is Factor cheaper than takeout, but meals are ready faster than restaurant delivery in just two minutes. Head to factormeals.com slash bball50 and use code bball50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code bball50 at factormeals.com slash bball50 to get 50% off your first box. There's nothing nothing they could get from when it comes to um, the heat with Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, right? Like Duncan Robinson might be nice on there. Like a Kevin Herter type player would be really nice there, but are those guys available? And Duncan's on a crazy contract himself and they're already paying these three guys a ridiculous amount. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, are there any other shooters that are free agents right now? I forgot to even check the, that that class. I mean, Bruce Brown has a player option, but he's not—he's really more of an all-around player. But but he could help them. I mean, well, why would he leave? Yeah. Um, I mean, if they didn't pay him, I guess right. <laughs> I guess if if they had an inordinate amount of money to pay him, but who knows what Ishbia does? He might just not even 
care about all this and pay all kinds of taxes. Who knows? Yeah, I would be if I were Bruce Brown. I mean, I'm still young. I'm gonna make some. I'm gonna make money in Denver. If I leave, if he leaves Denver, I think it'd be a mistake. Just a huge mistake. Yeah, it's funny. It's almost like Michael Malone was having a podcast um, up there in the parade when he was like, "Brucey B is staying with us." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that was like that was like he was like on a wrestling promo from the '80s. That was that was a great. That well, was great. <laughs> Mike Malone knows he he knows how important that guy is and and how it works, how well that works. So you got it when you get a guy like Bruce Brown who uh, can fit in like that. I think I think also you know um, locker room wise, you cannot you, you know you don't want to risk that. I mean you know it, the Lakers learned it the hard way when they got rid of Kuzma and um and caruso and those guys like that was something they had going that would have worked and again it was really expensive for them i don't think it would end up being that much more i, I mean it's interesting right bruce brown definitely has a lot of value uh without question oh, yeah. he should have uh, had he should have had a lot of value after that net season i mean yeah that's all that was weird to some degree you know i think it just shows you what happens i mean you can't even say that brooklyn's a small market but there was some sort of obscurity going on with him where he just wasn't you know, they weren't doing their homework or whatever. He could have been had probably by anybody in the league, right? They could have signed him. So, um, yeah, I, if I were him, I would, uh, you know, let me see. How old is he? Do we know exactly how old Bruce Brown is? He's probably um, mid-20s, if I had to guess. So, Bruce Brown is is going to get a four-year contract. He'll be 30. Yeah, that's rough. Because the question then is, is like, does he take a little discount right now for the next, let's say, four years? They win a couple championships. He's really whatever. And then he gets the one last contract that will really get him paid, right? That might be, that's a gamble in theory. That, that, that's a that's a risk, right? Four years of basketball? Yeah, but I, I do think that he would probably increase his value more. It's too bad he's not like 23 right now, so that he's like 27, 28. I thought, I, I, well, he's, he's 27 now, right? 28, something like that? What's I say, 26? 26. He's, he'll be 27 next year. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought he was around there, you know? So, yeah, so it's, it's, it's on the border. If he was a little bit younger, you could say, "Great, take the four years." You know, it, it'll be twenty, right? He'll make twenty a year, whatever they're going to offer him. I imagine um, they'll win a ton of games. He'll get a lot of run. He'll get a lot of shine, and then that next contract, he probably could get. You know, I, I well, it's interesting. I don't know. Yeah, but either. yeah. So uh, I mean, do, do you see a scenario where this Denver Nuggets team could be legit title contenders next year? Well, that's, it happens to be related to the other piece of news we got this morning, which I had missed over the weekend uh, reporting on this, but we find out that Draymond Green is opting out of his contract with the Warriors. Mm -hmm. Now, the Warriors, I think, think that they're going to be able to re-sign him again, but it doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense to me that he would turn down what clearly would be the most money he could get from the Warriors to then re-sign with them for less money, in theory. Uh, that's basically what would happen. More years, though, right? Right. Well, uh, I think he wants, yeah, he wants more years, but they're going to offer him like four years. Uh, what's the what was the extension that I guess it was just for the one player? Option? Yeah, I think he will get yeah. more. I think it'll be more security, more yeah, money over true. more money over time. Yeah. OK, I suppose that would be what, what he's doing there, because then otherwise, where does he want to go play with his best friend? Who, LeBron? Yeah. Now, that's, that doesn't not, really that's, another, that's another redundancy in skill sets, right? <laughs> he, that does, okay, now that doesn't work. Okay, but does it work if he goes to Phoenix? Yeah, because uh, yeah. Phoenix yes. is a facilitator. Yes, and he's a defender. Yes, um, that's interesting to me. And it's well, just do they have, do they have the money to do it? I guess HBO doesn't care, right? Right. Uh, no, no. Here's what I would think would happen. I mean, again, this is all. I guess none of it really makes sense then because. 
if he wants to go there, you know, because correct me if I'm wrong, he goes to, to Golden State because KD or KD goes to Golden State because Draymond asks him to come, right? Wasn't that the whole crux of the matter? Please, yeah, come I, with us. I, I don't think they were too, even though they were on a podcast together since then, I don't think they were too happy with each other once they, once KD departed, right? I mean, I don't all oftentimes pay attention to that stuff. So I might be missing that information because to me, it was like, yeah. oh, he wants to go play with KD again. But that does, I don't know. That's not on the table. You don't think from the. I don't know if it's on the table, but I would say that I think Draymond will end up staying with the Warriors. Or it, it, then if he does it, it's total rebuild mode for the Warriors, in my opinion. Like interesting. Man, that's rough because you got Steph still. And I, you yeah. Know. No, you shouldn't go in rebuild mode because Steph is playing at such a high level. But I don't think you could, you know, let Draymond go and keep this going, right? In yeah. My well, they they think that they're going to be able to sign him for the four years, twenty million. Uh, you know. Uh, and, and maybe that's what they do. So I, I guess the Phoenix Suns thing was yeah, he'd take a big break to go play with them because they're so great and he would make them even greater. Does that give them that much more of a chance than the Warriors to win it? I don't know. I, I think like with the, with the Warriors, it just depends on how those young players step up or with what kind of trade they make for some of those young players. Well, the trade probably should have been deal for Poole and Kaminga. I mean, I, I, I said that out there on the Twitter earlier today too, and I always forget about how the salaries need to match. And I suppose what the, somebody got back to me saying, like, yeah, you'd have to also do like Pat Baldwin and um, it wasn't Moody. It was uh, somebody like it was like four players. A lot of players. To I get would honestly, match. honestly, I would try and keep Moody in any trade package. I think yeah, I, be, I, you know, I, Moody might not have been a part of that, but it would yeah. be, you know, cool and Kaminga and somebody and, and Baldwin, who I think Baldwin could be good, too. Um, and, you know, and he doesn't make a lot, but it's enough just to kind of get it close enough where the, the numbers could work, uh, because in my mind. You know, Beal probably helps the Warriors a lot. I mean, compared to Pool, I would probably much rather have Beal in that role than Pool. Oh yeah, yeah. He, I mean, Beal's just a better player, and yeah. he's less. Um, there's less variables. He's less chaotic. He's yeah. just he's more steady. Absolutely. So that would that would have been an, an interesting uh, you know uh, upgrade for them. Um, you know, so so we'll have to we'll see how all this plays out. I mean, you're right. The Draymond, I don't. I, yeah, he he can't go anywhere. I mean, I guess he could, but. It's, it's hard to imagine that he would do anything else besides, you know, maybe get a few more years. Uh, and the Warriors are willing to do that, right? You know, they could have been like ultimatum saying, listen, take the take your player option or that's it. But uh, they're, they're willing. So we'll find out you know, who's going to take it. It would be a little weird to just have Steve Kerr on your pod and then just like leave the team. Oh, was he just in the pot? Yeah, is that right? I saw the a clip. Was it was he on Draymond's spot? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah look, be, listen, be. Would there be anything more NBA than that happening? Like, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty so, funny. Anyhow, that's that. So, but I, but I was musing. Like, you know, they need uh, the the Suns need like campaign. I like I like campaign. Listen, he, I like him. Yeah, but not he's the only game. he's the only guy that played good that last game. I yeah, he dropped like thirty. But I like him as a starter on a good team. No, off the bench, he, he has heart. I'll tell you that that guy has heart. But yeah, off the bench, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, he's a guy you want to play like the twenty-one minutes, spark off the bench. You know, does nicely. Can maybe win you a playoff game. Uh, come and, uh, get hot, but not a guy that's going to start. So, like, you need somebody else, and that I guess that's the position because right, you have you know eight mid center. Okogie's going to play uh, small four, uh, whatever these positions are now these days. But Aiton and uh, or sorry, Okogie and uh, KD, and then Booker. Um, yeah, I mean, ideally, yes, you'd have somebody who doesn't need to score a lot. Like you, like the CP three guy is the sort of guy you'd want, but you'd want him to be. Um, you know, more, oh, I, by the way, that's the, your starter is, is Beal. Um, but I, I don't know if that works. I don't know if, if relying on Booker and then Beal, who have both had taken turns sort of being a sort of lead guard, point guard-y kind of thing, right? They've done that. 
but that's going to be the probably the biggest concern is can they make that work well enough? Yeah. As we talked about, it's an incomplete. And on top of that, I think they could have a fun team that maybe fans want to see. Do I think they will be legit title contenders all of a sudden out of nowhere? No, I don't. Right. I mean, it, yeah, it depends. And again, is this team good enough to lure some really good vets who will take like a, a big paycheck to play with them like we've seen in the past? Probably not either, right? I don't think that happens as much anyway. So, um, yeah, it's a very it's a very strange thing. Although whenever we've seen teams be like this in the past and feel like they can't get anything done, all of a sudden, poof, somebody trades somebody and they, they actually can make it work. So we'll mm. find out if um, – Oh gosh, who's the GM now in Phoenix? It's not. Is it still Champ? Is it uh, Jones? No. Um. Who's the GM? Yeah, yeah. From from Miami. Yeah, Jones. Uh, you know. Yeah. yeah. Champ, whatever they call him. Um, general manager of the Suns. My goodness, this is my. Uh, yeah, James Jones. James Jones. Um. Anyway, we'll see what, what, if he can make this happen because um, so far the trade itself was a pretty good trade for them to you know to give up CP3. Yeah. And, yeah, it was CP3, Shamit, some trade swaps, and some second round picks. Yeah, that's pretty good for Beal. Uh, probably had no choice but to do that deal. Beal had the no trade clause contract, which is another thing because um, now the Suns are stuck w- with him if they, are, they can't really do much with him either without him dictating the terms. That's a crazy thing to have in your contract, huh? Uh, it is. It is. I mean, I suppose you know, that's how much the Wizards wanted to make him happy and keep him keep him there, but, you know. Yeah, I don't think we'll see that that clause ever again, right? Yeah, man, that'll be tough because that really hamstrings the team. Yeah. So that is that. Um, let's see here. I don't know if we have any super chats yet. So okay, I guess everyone's kind of willing to quietly listen. That's cool. <laughs> um, but let me drag this over here so I don't miss any of them, any of the comments. Let's do this. Um, oh, we have one. Wow. At uh, wait, it came in. That's weird. Didn't show up my. Uh, Son of a gun, it doesn't show up on uh, StreamYard. Why not? From Big Time Billy. Son of a gun. And it's perfect because he's talking about, uh, hey, are you out there, Big Time? Can you just uh, just send the same chat again? I'm not seeing chats, and now I'm worried I'm not getting my chats in the StreamYard. Yeah, uh, my, mine kind of stopped, too, on the comments. Darn it. So there's something that's broken, which really sucks because I want to be able to show. Well, you know what? I guess we can do this. I can kind of do it down and dirty. Sorry, but uh, let's try this. So let me uh, do the screenshot of it real quick, and we'll get into our uh, talking about the draft. Yeah. Let's do that, and then let's see how this works. If I go like this and I do um, – where is it? Uh-huh. How does that work? Does that work okay? We got big time Billy. Wow, that's interesting. Oh, wait. Come back. Here we go. This is what I want. Sorry. All right. Oh, that's interesting. Why did oh I I shared the wrong one, but it's good enough. Wemby is the anchor of a two-three zone. Good idea or no? Okay, love it. So let's get into that. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I'm seeing on the YouTube side the comments working fine, but not on Streamyard. It's like broken, and you, you don't see it either. Right, nah, me... yeah, it stopped kind of. And then maybe I can um, I can share this whole screen or something weird like that later. But anyway. That's really strange. I, that hasn't happened in a long time. Um, anyway, so let's get this going. So sorry I had to do it this way, but it's on the screen at least. Um, all right, let's get to the, the to the trade uh, to the uh, draft. So let's talk about it. Wemby is an anchor of a two three zone. Good idea or no? I'm down. I like the idea. He's so long you can keep him around the basket. What do you think? 
Yeah, I think it's a good idea. What does the 2-3 zone look like in the NBA? Because you can't just park a guy in the middle like you can in college or in EuroLeague. You got you ever, you ever go to a disco? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. That's what you got to so do. Yeah. You got that little sidestep thing you got going every two point nine seconds where they ooh, they get their both feet out <laughs> and they get back in. It's like a, the yeah. hokey pokey, right? Yeah. So, um, so that's what it looks like a lot of the time. Um, and we saw that certainly with the the, uh, the Heat that laid that out, uh, how to properly do that. But um, what they were actually doing was they'd have Bam on the weak side um, block and then only step over when he kind of needed to. But what they and then but it made him late in my mind, rotating over a little bit. Um, but it also is similar to, you know, rotating over on, you know, uh, on a, on a drive, uh, kind of thing like help rotation. So that's what it would look like. I would probably keep him on the strong side. He's so long. He's only one step away from getting back to the other side to swat shots away. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have you been watching the highlights recently of him? It's just like, he keeps getting better and better. It's kind of yeah, crazy. Yeah. And the moving pattern is fantastic too. You know what I mean? Like he is explosive and his handle, his handle is really good. I mean, listen, I, I, I keep having a temper as we go down, you know, the years through the years and the, and the uh, prospects at the top of the draft get younger and whatever, less experience. I have to kind of keep adjusting my evaluations because I see some of these guys going like, this is, these are not NBA players. And, you know, okay. Then, but then they're 19 and they played the one year in college. So I got to, you know, compared to like, you know, Luca who came in having played multiple years of Euro of Euro league. Right. Uh, that that's a big difference now in a way that it's tough to evaluate because they are so raw. This guy is really raw. I mean, he he's going to fall on the ground. He's going to get knocked down. He's going to get dunked on, uh, on down low. He really plays like a guard in my mind. They, they have him coming off of screens. They have him catching uh, uh, handoffs. And if they're going to try and play him at center, I'm, I'm concerned about that. I think he'd be a lot better playing, like, honestly, like the three. Because he could give a, a good small forward a lot of space and then still really challenge a shot without getting beat. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like him guarding a small forward for another reason, that he'll be out on the perimeter and he's really good in transition. Like the way he runs the floor, the way he handles the ball, the way he finishes in transition, it's incredible, man. Like his footwork and shiftiness at that size and his ability to finish with either hand, very fluid athlete. Just like his ability as a mover at 7'5 in transition is just phenomenal. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and by the way, all the guys that we see here uh, in the top of the draft, they're all like going to be really good in transition, which is a big thing in the NBA. I guess it gets loose and you have room and you can get down the floor and, and finish. Yeah. But you, you, you still only do that, you know, when you're in the game, maybe 15 percent of the time or so. It could get so, you a good six points a game, right? Four to six. Um, I think that's the very high end of anybody who's playing. Uh, I can check it while we talk. But um, OK, six, let me let me ask you this. Do you think. Do you think he'll be a 20-point scorer his first year? Well, it's interesting because he's going to the Spurs who already have a couple guys ahead of him who are pretty um, aggressive offensively, you know? So that's one issue. Um, another issue is playing time. Are they going to do the Spurs thing where they play in? I hope you know, not. You can't with Wemby. 20 22 minutes a game i don't know but you know we we had we i mean listen pop is still there we can't forget like the last big french guy well and then tony parker for instance was a guy who they rode him mercilessly for a while to get him to to break him into what they wanted him to play uh although you know what let's check that real quick because i bet you he played uh, right off the bat let's see what tony parker played right off the bat i know but you can't compare tony parker to wimpy in my opinion in terms of prospects but you're right. He, he played, you know what? He came in and playing almost 30 minutes a game. So that wasn't the thing anyway. Good. Okay. 
Uh, and he was 19 too. You know, you're right. So it's it's simply the Frenchman and Frenchman. That's all. I, but but the point being that you know they're both rookies. They're both young. You know, there is probably a mindset that they have, and they may not have changed you know, in the, in that time. Um, but I, what I like about Wemby the most might be is is that he wants to pass. He's like a willing passer. He actually had a pass in the post uh, in one in the game, the finals game where they lost like over his shoulder, no look. And it ended up being a foul on, on for him. So that the guy got it and laid it in, but it didn't count. But it was like, he wants to make the, he's like, not like Jokic, but he looks to make really interesting passes. And I, I'm very excited about that. Yeah. I mean, don't you feel like in general, the players who are international players usually don't have tunnel vision because I feel like, the way they're taught basketball is more from a team aspect, and the weird, the way basketball is taught here is more not even taught, just the mentality of most players from this country is more an individual mentality. Right, uh, that is true, and there's, there's a soccer element to that as well, you know, yeah. as far as, as that. Um, but yeah, it, it's very well. There's, there's a cultural thing to it. Although we've talked about this before, and I've been having conversations recently about. Can you create that? Can you somehow train players to be passers, to be willing passers? Because, A, it's not even like you can you can run drills all day long where you're throwing one-handed, blind, you know, over the back, you know, bounce passes for layups all day, right? But it's another thing to actually have them in do it in the game. Um, and that's another question. Like, we, I don't know if we have the answer to that. I like to think that you could – Create an environment of around a team that encourages it so much that you get people who want to do it. Aaron Gordon is a good example. He's now turned into a really good passer. And there's no question one of the biggest reasons is because he's hanging out with Jokic and he's playing with Jokic. And that's inspiring. So instead of having these teams where you, you get a guy like that who throws crazy passes and you just sort of shrug and be like, oh, it's nice that we have that. Instead, you're like, no, we are going to engineer this and make it a situation where guys want to do that. And, uh, and play free. By the way, that's also part of it, right? I think sometimes players don't want to make passes because they're afraid of throwing it away. And that's when you, you lose that, that freedom and that creativity that we see from, you know, I don't think Jokic could care less if he threw the ball away trying to make those great passes. Maybe more no dribble scrimmages or one dribble scrimmages. Yeah, yeah. I used to love those. Did you ever do those when you were a player? Yeah. I mean, overseas, they did that often, you know, to start the practice. Then they would do like one dribble. Then they would do two dribbles. Then they would do three dribbles. Then, then we play soccer. You know, it'd be all kinds yeah. of stuff like that. I just started doing it with uh, some of my guys on Saturday the, uh, the 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 three second rule where you have to do something with it within three mm. seconds. I like and that. Obviously, that at the NBA level now it's like one second, right? And you know, but I would say 15 years ago the NBA would do that drill as a three second drill. That's how they gave you that much time. Now it's got to be quicker. Um, and so I really enjoyed that. That was fun to see the guys really try and, you know, that, that energizes everything when you really give them that rule. Uh, and then at some point in a, you know, after we do this a few times, it will go down to two seconds for the high school level. And, and these guys are not even like, you know, uh, I'm not sure they're even playing on their high school teams. There's, you know, and, and we're going to get guys who are have decent ability, but nothing crazy. And, the, and for them to be able to make decisions within two seconds and get the ball moving is, uh, is also just equally exciting. Um, nonetheless, but Wemby is, is going to be a generational talent. Um, people, some people really want are, are down on him. It's weird. Like some of the reactions I'm seeing on Twitter about it are, are kind of weird. Um, and you know, there's always the issue of like, does he get hurt? But I certainly don't have that same fear I did with Chet. Remember when we were talking about Chet before I got there, I was, I'd be wincing. I'd be like, oh, this is bad. I, I think he's going to get hurt. I don't like this movement pattern. I do not get that same thing in my radar. I really, I wish I could give you even very specific biomechanical information about it, but 
just whatever the way he moves feels a lot different uh, than than um, Chet for some reason. Yeah, I hope they all stay healthy. Maybe it's like the Malcolm Gladwell book, Blink. Like you just could see somebody for a second and feel like they have they're more prone to injury, and you can't really say why. It's just like a feeling you get from the way they move. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's it's you know, it's you do it long enough, you get a, a sense yeah. of things. Um, I have, but enough- hopefully he could stay healthy because he check it really helped that team. He could, and, and he he should be back, right? He'll be playing right out from the bat. Yeah, hopefully uh, he plays I, summer league too. I'm just trying to make this look as uh, as pretty as I can because again, I really wish I understood why. Uh, I, I almost want to try and refresh uh, my stream yard, but what happens? Do I still stay in the in the? Show? I'm worried I'll lose my my life. Um... I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, let's try this. Anyway, let's try and share this one now. Um, if I can find it here. Um, six six twenty. Is this it? Oh my goodness! I can't see the full name of the. Uh, what happens if I do? Let's try it. Okay, perfect. Hop Hayes, thank you, thank you so much for the super chat. Um, thoughts on Houston's uh, Jarris? Okay, how do we say his first name? I meant to ask Jar- you, Jarris Walker. Jarris, okay. Uh, Jarris, because every time I was watching all the clips of him, they got the same Walker. It was like, what's how do you say his first name? Uh, thoughts on Houston's Jarris Walker to the Pacers? What different packages do you think they could get? Wing-wise, for picks 7, 26, and 29. Thanks, Nick. Uh, m- thank you, Hot Pays. This is a, a, a complicated question. I might lean on you a little bit more, Combo. Um, well, to the first part of the question, I'd love to answer because I love Jarris Walker, and I feel like he gives me those vibes that when we look down a few years from now, I wouldn't be surprised if he's like a really important role player on a winning playoff winning or even championship team. He gives you like those Aaron Gordon vibes on defense. Like, Really strong, really athletic, could slide his feet, could get low, could guard multiple positions, and he's getting better on offense. Like the jump shot doesn't look bad off the dribble. I think he's really dynamic, and I think he's a perfect fit for what the Pacers need when it comes to wing defense. You need to be able to guard some of the best players in the league to be a good playoff team, and he is that. Like he could guard the wing position really well and other positions as well. So, yeah, I really like his game, and – I think he could help the Pacers a lot. In terms of the packages, I could lean on you for that one. I'm not sure. Um, right. Kind of well, here's my problem. I don't I don't think he's ready. Uh, I don't know hmm. if this attack's going to be that high to begin with. He's not like that athletic from what I see, um, at least on the offensive end when I studied that more. Uh, so I'm glad that you can fill in some of the defensive stuff because, you know, he's kind of like, like the Draymond Green kind of body, right? He's big and strong. He's not – He's not over jump, you know, jump over you and jump out the gym. I, I didn't see that. I mean, he looks he looks a little bit more like a basketball player than Draymond. Yeah, like that's he, true. He's a little bit shaped yeah. better like that. Yeah. Um, so, but but um, you know, my I think my biggest issue, you know, studying is the jumper. It's you know what's weird about going, what, what what the college basketball is going now is that they're really they are more accepting of the three point shot now, and more people are being able to shoot it. So and it's shorter than the three the NBA line. So I'm kind of curious to see how this is going to translate now that more and more people are shooting it a little bit more freely. Um, what that distance difference is going to mean because a guy like this, he, you know, if you notice, he's got a very neutral wrist. 
So he shoots the jump shot in a similar manner to like, um, uh, my gosh, uh, you know, on Memphis um, uh, from from Oregon. You know, what's his name? God damn it. You know, um, uh, Dylan, Dylan Brooks. Uh, yeah, I think it's fair to say that some of these um, guys are more advanced on the offensive side when it comes to the lottery than Jarris. But I do think like, you know, if we're talking about fit and you don't always want to talk about fit when it comes to draft, you want to take the best player available. Like they have Buddy Heald who could shoot it. They have Miles Turner who could shoot it. They have Tyrese Halliburton that could shoot it. And Jarris Walker has been improving as a shooter and a ball handler. Okay. And on top of that defense he provides at the wing position, I think he could really help them there. But obviously you always want to try and take best available and not always go with fit when it comes to the NBA draft, especially in the lottery. Right. I mean, and this is the lower lottery too, right? Uh, well, yeah, he's, he's going to get picked down by the seventh, eighth pick, I think anyway, right? Which is what he, why he's asking. Uh, I'm kind of curious. He shot 30. Yeah. So he shot almost 35% from three on, you know, almost three a game. Um, so he got him up. I thought the release was kind of slow. That, that makes me nervous about shooting the far, from a farther, farther distance. And again, when you don't have a wrist extension uh, before you snap, you're, you know, that, that is generally not a great recipe for being a consistent long range shooter. So um, that's, uh, oh, somebody wants to have a problem. Do, do you feel like he's like a crazy jump out of the gym athlete? Like, cause like there's some other guys that we're going to talk about that are, that are really springy. Athletic. Yeah, I mean, I do think he's a powerful athlete off too. Not quite Aaron Gordon level, but right. he's that type. He has like a nice, strong athletic base, right? He's very okay. strong. He can jump. He can slide his feet. He can run fast. Like he has a balanced athletic profile, in my opinion. Right. Not, he's yeah, not. He's, I don't see Eric Gordon, Aaron Gordon uh, ability there. Like, well, know. no. What? Yeah, you know how Eric Gordon is a great all-around athlete. He's like that, but he's not as springy, obviously, off too as Aaron Gordon. You right. Know? Well, I mean, listen, yeah. Aaron Gordon did dunks in the, that we had never, ever conceived of before that was like practically levitating in the air. So, um, yeah, I don't see that from yeah. him. We'll see, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm usually pretty good with this stuff. And after I watch a, a hundred or so clips, I can get a real good handle on it. So we'll see. No, like uh, Amen and obviously Scoot are better athletes than him, right? Like those yeah. are the top athletes and even Cam Whitmore. So, yeah. Oh, well, that, okay. So, okay, yeah, Whitmore we're going to talk about because uh, that he's interesting too. But we have another, uh, so anyway, so as far as packages they can get for the wing, um, wing-wise for picks, um, you know, it's so tough because the, it, it's such a crapshoot, especially when you get to 26 and 29. The value there isn't like you're, you, I don't think you're going to get a starter. Uh, you know, I mean, if you want to put all three of those together, you know, that would be weird. I, I can't remember the last time we saw a trade, like, you know, for a bunch of picks for a, a starter, right? I can't, I mean... I mean, that's not true. We saw like Rudy, Rudy Gobert, whatever, that kind of thing. Um, but, but, um, I kind of like, I kind of like the NBA draft and I kind of like seeing teams keep their lottery picks. I don't know. That's just, yeah. Me. I mean, it's such a crapshoot that it's like, I don't know. We had, um, Ben on the other, uh, a couple of weeks ago or a month ago when he was talking about it. And I kind of like this take where it was like, if you have a surefire, uh, player, you know, he's played in the league three, four years, you know, what you're going to get from him. You know, a lot of times it's worth dealing a pick that's not the top five or six or seven and whatever, because you, you know, you'll never know that the, between four and seven, four and four and anything after fourth or fifth, you know, it, it's you look at those the, who the players have been picked in those numbers. It's like, you know, sometimes it, it works great and other times it's really, really not good. So uh, it's an interesting conundrum. Uh, so, so I don't know. They probably, and this was also, where are they right now? Where are the Pacers in their development process and where are they expecting to be able to do? Uh, you know, it, it's another interesting question. I'm not sure I had the answer to that. I mean, Miles Turner and Tyrese are entering their prime, you know, so 
I think they want to win now. And also their coach is not a rebuild type coach. That's true. <laughs> I'll tell too. you that. I'll tell you yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. And he's also a guy that I don't really feel like he'll play rookies uh, much. Right. I think like if he has a defensive guy like Jarris, he might give him an opportunity because he's not going to like uh, need the ball a lot. I, I wouldn't, <laughs> you know, he's not like one of those guys that is like, you want to bench as a rookie if he's going to provide you some defense hustle, you know? Uh, all right. Maybe we'll see. We should all see. We have another super chat here. I got to do a little, uh, uh, you know, what we call it. Um, fancy finger. We're here to share the screen. Let me get this one up here. Um, is it this one? Yes. A pimp named Slickback who has been a part of the conversation for, Probably the beginning, if I'm not mistaken. Let me know in the comments. I think, right, we've been answering, talking on questions like this for a long, long time because no one's going to forget that name uh, for a YouTube channel, uh, YouTube account. But thank you so much, Pimp, for the lovely Super Chat. Very generous of you and for being part of the conversation for this long. Amazing. Uh, and the question now is, hey, fellas, I'm super high on a few guys from my nets, specifically Leonard Miller and Bilal Kulabali. Don't know if you guys have seen their scouting reports. I, you know, this the Bill L guy just popped up on my radar. Do you have you seen him? Yeah, so that's Wemby's teammate. For those that don't know, um, he's a defensive player. Needs to get the shooting better. Is really nice in the lane with Euro steps. The only thing is, is that there's not enough reps of him because he doesn't have the basketball a lot on Wemby's team. So it's kind of hard to get a gauge of his feel for the game. But, I mean, there are some tools there. Like, when he gets in the lane, he got some really nice Euros. He's a great defensive player. It seems like he's still growing, and he's a very fluid athlete with a nice base. So, I, you know, there's a high upside there for him. And with Leonard Millard, I mean, he averaged 20 points a game in the G League. So, he's an interesting young player. He keeps getting better. He keeps growing himself. And I think those are two guys with tremendously high ceilings, but maybe not the highest floors. Okay. All right, I hear you. I mean, it's a little bit tough when you're watching with Wembenyama because the the uh, what who they're playing against is a sort of lower tier than Euroleague, so it's not always easy to really gauge. But like you know, Mike James was out there playing against him uh, in that in that final, and that's you know he he's legit. Like he could do that in the NBA if he wanted to. Um, so so it's a it's just hard because now you got to figure out like who is he going against and who's the rotational defense and all that kind of stuff for all those guys. Uh, I don't envy the scouts that need to figure that one out uh, because I don't think it's that easy. I don't think from year to year it's the same. So you got to really kind of be able to, uh, you know, in the moment, figure that all out and then, and then, you know, hope it works out. So uh, good, good breakdown on those stuff. I do have, um, no, I haven't looked at, at Leonard Miller yet, but um, where are the nets picking? Let's see here. Um, I, I don't believe in the, um... here it is. So Brooklyn is there. Oh yeah. They're, they only have a pick on the 21st. I mean, Bilal won't be there for that. And Leonard Miller probably won't either. Well, how tall is Bilal? I think he's like six, seven now. Okay. So he's, yeah. he's not like a Nilakina guy then. No, 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 no. Cause you're describing Nilakina. Great. You're a good defensive player. Needs to, you know, improve his jump shot coming out of, you know, uh, more, more, more feel in the lane too. And okay. he's, he's, he's a lot, he's a lot bigger and more athletic. Yeah. yeah. So the bottom line is if you're picking that low in the draft with the, as, as the Nets are, it's a complete and utter, I'm not even sure it's a coin flip. It, it would just, you know, if you get, listen, like, you know, they got uh, what Jokic at 41st. <laughs> so it happens. Um, but, but I got to tell you, you, you want, should we do a thought experiment? 
Let's really quickly look at the 27th pick of the draft over the last five years. Should we do that real quick? Um, 2022 yeah. NBA draft. Let's see if I can find a quick uh, – let's see if I do it here. Uh, so the 27th pick last year was uh, Nikola Jovic, your guy. Okay, just let me get to 22. Um, uh, I need to find a website that gets me to the next one quicker. Um, now, and he didn't play. So 2021, let me go to uh, – let's try Wikipedia. Should we try that? Because it will let me go to the one before that, won't it? No. Anyway, 27th pick there was Cam Thomas. Okay. That's something. Um, is it GM? Real GM? Oh, here it is. Oh, this is what NBA – here we go. B-ball. Right. Okay. So 2020 NBA draft, 27th pick was uh, Udoka Azubuike. Okay. Hmm. So you see where I'm going with this? Yeah, yeah. 2019 <laughs> uh... draft. Number 27 was Mifiando uh, Kevangele. That's Brooklyn, too, by the way. Um, okay. 2018 draft, number 27, Robert Williams. Okay. Wait, Brooklyn's getting a lot of these picks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Boston got that one in 2019. Let's go. Let's go one more year. 2017. The 27th pick was Kyle Kuzma. Okay. So now, okay, let's go one more time. And then 2016 was um, Pascal Siakam. Whoa. Oh, I better be I, – I might have to re revise my 27th pick, uh, you know. <laughs> Larry Nance Jr. was was the year before that in 2015 for the Those Lakers. are some good value, the last three you said. Well, that's so bizarre. That it's like the, that's the one. 27th pick, Bogdan Bogdanovich by the, by the wow. Suns. 2014. I, you know what? I'm, I guess I'm completely wrong. So, you know, the Nets have a lot of hope <laughs> for this one. Rudy Gobert was 27th. No, this is crazy. In 2013. You know what I mean? It's like this is the kind of thing that who who else will study this? A 27 pick in the draft. I can't, you know, Arnett Moultrie uh, was uh, in 2012. But now we're going to get into the 10 years. Like, yeah, really, it's going to be tougher, I think. Uh, Jawan Johnson is uh, was 27th in 2011. Then 2010, last one we'll do, is uh, Jordan Crawford. Oh, okay. Jordan Crawford, not Jamal. So, uh, you know, it's it's hit or miss, but they there was a run there <laughs> in there. Kyle Kuzma and Siakam and those guys and, and Rudy. Uh, so yeah, and you know, here's yeah. Some hope. yeah. Uh, I now need to do some more of these screenshots. God darn it. Let's see here. Um, whoa, that's not good. Hang on. And let me, um, close out the other one so I don't get confused. Let's open this up here. Okay. Oh, this is, you know what? I got to redo it because I can't see Bron's name. This is really bad. I really wish um, we could figure out why they're not letting us see. You know what? I, can you answer this while you're looking that up? So when you were talking about Jairus's wrist, were you basically talking about it not being loaded? Yeah. So he brings it up here, neutral, and then you know, this, and then it pretty much from neutral then just goes like that. You know what I feel like? I feel like Christian Brown's jump shot. Sorry, free throw is like that. Oh, is that right? I haven't, you know, he barely shoots him. I haven't even, I don't, I, I can't picture. Yeah, that. I, know, I, I noticed that in the live show and I felt like, not in the live show, in the finals. And I felt like that could be correctable for him, you know, just load his wrist. Yeah. Yeah, you could. That, no, that should be correctable, but it's also, uh, you know, guys that do that, I think tend to have gotten to the point where they're so afraid of shooting it like long that they don't know how to calibrate their power. And then that's their way of like, you know, you know, just sort of, pushing it and taking power away. Not That's not the way you want to do it. And at that rate, when you get to the NBA, it's a little tough, but that should be one you could probably get to. I know I've gotten guys to snap the wrist better uh, all the way through. Some guys will, will stop it on the way. Um, so that's that's not as bad. And so the question now is, yes, can you get it back? Now, I don't want you to get it back too early, right? There are shooting coaches that say, you know, jam that wrist back before you on the way to swing the arm up. 
But really, the best shooters all have late risk extension, which is, means it starts to go back on the way up. And it's sort of, sort of like we want to dip where you go down then up. Well, the risk goes back and then forward in that, almost that same kind of rhythm. Um, and so I'm, I'm all about that. Um, but let's look at Braun, who was our best friend of the breakdown. Thank you so much, Braun, for the very specific super chat. Very interesting. Although maybe it's the Canadian um, uh, conversion. But uh, thank you. Thank you. Hey, coach, thoughts on Amen Thompson's jump shots? So I have some thoughts. I went through him, definitely. What do you, why don't you go first, though, because I'm kind of curious to hear what you think about him. Well, I think Asar is a better shooter, first and foremost. But I would say about a men's jump shot, it kind of goes to the middle of his body, and it goes from away from his body as well on the way up. So it's kind of hard to have a repeatable motion when you shoot the basketball like that. He needs better energy transfer. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's just all over the place because I, I was starting to write some notes about some things that were really bothering me, but then I didn't do it the next time. Right. Which is weird. So like on a couple shots, I was seeing him with like a weird left hand kind of flying off the ball and doing something weird. And then it didn't do it later. Uh, then there was some weird trailing of his right arm to the right at, on the release. But then that didn't happen later on. Also, uh, he's really young. Right. Like, um, yeah, you know, he is. Ed was flaring back sometimes. <laughs> well, I, 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 to me, he, he, he's one of these guys who's just not ready for the NBA either, right? Like now that that said, here's the thing about um, getting to this. Yeah, side. I think I agree with you a little bit. I think I agree with you a little bit, even right. though it's, it's even though his ceiling is really high. Like there's obviously some, some real potential there, but I think that I think you could be right there. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll follow you again. And that's the other thing. Like he's not like six ten. I think they're like six six. You know. Yeah, so that's another thing. He's, if, if he was like the 6'10", like the Durant kind of thing, I'd be okay. But so as of what, the last bit of footage we could watch of his, we, I, he's not ready at all. Um, that said, you know, when you get into this time of year and you have an agent and you have, you know, they hire, you know, proper trainers, not that they didn't have him where he was before, but uh, there is some jumps you can make uh, over the summer with the right, you know, uh, also going up against other pros uh, in your in your training. Although, you know, you, you've seen them as much as I have. A lot of times those training sessions don't really match you guys up and you're not benefiting from that kind of pressure. But, um, yeah, he, he's just not ready. He's really, really raw. He certainly has, like, the, Euro, the Pogo Euro step stuff down where, you know, he big steps and I mean, big lateral movement changes, which are, are, are good. But, you know, when you're playing against NBA players, a lot of times that's where you get all that kind of leaning on you and you're off balance going off of one foot. And uh, it could get ugly uh, pretty quick on some of those that he shoots. So uh, I'm, I'm worrying about that. But, yeah, the, so the jump shot to me is all over the place. I wouldn't imagine him being very, very uh, consistent at all this year going into it, right? Would you, would you want to push back on that? No, I, I think you're right about that. The thing that is so intriguing about him is just the athleticism. He's probably the best athlete in this draft. He's like a top 1% of the 1% when it comes to athleticism. And the pressure he puts on the rim is just ridiculous. Obviously, the OTE level is not the same level as college basketball. It's not, obviously not the same level as the G League, and it's not the same level as like what Wemby is playing. But when you just look at him in terms of athleticism, it's phenomenal. And on top of that, he has very nice vision. And he's a very good passer. And I think that's where all the intrigue is. Can he be this guy with the basketball in his hands that could create all this stuff? Like he got the cross-court passes. He could find guys, you know, on lobs. And then you couple that with the athleticism. It's a very intriguing prospect with a high ceiling. But he definitely needs to shoot the basketball better. 
Uh, yeah, it, it, and also just inconsistent on his rhythm, you know, the arms yeah. swinging up and the legs, all that stuff. It's just, you know, he's just young. That was really what I was gathering. And just to kind of the, the brief knowledge I have of where he's playing now is they they started basically a not like a G League Ignite, but like another alternative to. They're younger. Uh, They're younger. It's younger than the G League Ignite, actually. They're sixteen year olds yeah. in it. Yeah. Right. So he went as a uh, as a senior in high school, and so instead of going senior, he went there. He played two years. Um, you know, and, and then that's the other issue is that you know the the, the competition there is is, you know, not as good as you play against, uh, you know, the top D1 school. So that's really hard to see. So I, I really was scratching my head. I, I, I can't quite figure out what what that what his deal is and where he fits in. Um, and, and if this kind of thing starts becoming more prevalent, it's going to be really hard because, you know, imagine that there's other prospects that look like him and play like him and they're playing against, you know, other, uh, you know, co uh, sorry, uh, competition like that, then, I don't know. Well, I guess he'll be the test case, and we'll find out really quickly what, whether we can use that as a as a baseline. So, uh, but either way, yeah, I, I, he's not ready. I don't think uh, he'll make an impact uh, for a little bit. Uh, let's get to our next uh, super chat here. Let me close this one so I can find the next one. Uh, actually, let me open the next one. Uh, here it is. Let's see here. Uh, okay, this is, we're going to get right back to uh, the NBA for uh, for our question. This is cool. Uh, the question now is from. The Age of Brevity, friend of the breakdown. Thank you so much for, uh, from Canada. Uh, he wants to know, what do you think of the nurse hire in Philly? Well, um, what do you think, Combo? I'd love to hear your thoughts on okay. this because it is a coaching question. I, I think Coach Nurse is a great coach. Yeah. I really do, yeah. But go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I think um, – so let's see, having a little bit of insider knowledge about what was happening in this past year uh, and, and, the, and the culture, they needed something different than that's for sure. They needed to change. Um, they need something that's more um, of a top-down approach where there's more control from the coaching staff on the players. Um, can, can Coach Nurse do that is a question, especially coming into a situation where someone like, you know, Embiid is already there and it's ensconced in his, in his you know, fiefdom um but i also feel like mb would be willing you know uh to, to to be to listen you know it's funny a lot of times you feel like you know you don't want to get fired as a coach so you you know you kind of try and not make too many waves or whatever but you're going to get fired anyway right eventually you're going to get fired mm -hmm. so you might as well get in there and try and coach and try and have the effect that you think you can um, they need to figure out how to get more movement in the offense. You know, Doc, I, I love it because Doc was, I was reading an interview or seeing maybe while he was still coach, but he was talking about how much he values movement, whatever. And it was like, well, okay, but then why aren't you getting that? Uh, why aren't you coaching that on your team? Um, so that's going to be an interesting issue. And can they get a little bit more creative with Embiid's attack? Um, I think that would be important. And, and certainly if there is, a, uh, if you're looking at creativity and coaching, you know, Nick Nurse is that without question. Yeah. It was interesting. He was saying how he, rather have had and i'm talking about doc rivers here younger Harden, so he could have had him play off the ball a little bit more and not so be ball dominant but that was it you know he had some interesting comments in that podcast uh wait doc did yeah like Is that he what said, i saw like, I, I, yeah I, and, and it's funny it's like you're a big fan of handoffs and he was talking about like handoffs and more off ball movement for Harden, and he felt like if he would have had Harden earlier in his career he could have had him doing some different things off the ball than he did when he got there and Harden yeah. was already older. And that's the kind of thing with like Bradley Beal. Like people talk about Bradley Beal that he played off the ball with John Wall, but that was years ago. You yeah. know, he, he, he has a different type of muscle memory at this point. So 
It just right. is what it right. is. But he, but he also was in a stage of his career where, you know, he's like, this is probably my last good chance to be part of a, something big and I yeah. do whatever I can. Mm -hmm. um, so that's another part. And you don't forget that. You don't forget the, how to come off handoffs, right? Um, you, really, the question would be, you know, with Beal is after getting the handoff, I don't think they're going to have a problem with that, is, is he going to like stop and then like turn into an ISO? Or is he going to string it out and like probe and then kick or, or, or turn the corner? Like those are the things that you got to see like that, that Harden, I think, struggled with too. Although I did feel like Harden was moving in as, a, as a cog in the offense better this past year than I'd seen him in a long time. So Doc did get some of that. But it also just sounded like if you were a role player on the Sixers, it was a nightmare. You, just, you, you rarely touched the ball. You never got any rhythm. And you had to just be uh, way crazy uh, aggressive just to get a shot off. And that's no fun. Yeah, I mean, it must have been even more like that with the Rockets. But I felt like even yeah. with the Rockets, they were more into their cool. roles. Yeah, like they like knew what it was. Yeah. Like there wasn't guys like trying to um, – be a guy who's ball dominant. Like they knew what their role was there, but it's interesting when you talk about flow and, and um, guys um, not ball stopping. I think Cam Whitmore is interesting, like staying on the draft because I noticed that like every time he shoots it, he likes to get into like this jab step thing. And I don't think that's the best way to play basketball at this point, even though he's a Villanova guy, which is really great. Those guys play well in the NBA and he's super athletic. So he has those things going for him. And he's nice getting to the rim, like he could finish with either hand. And he, he moves pretty well without the ball. But when he gets the ball, there is some ball stopping there. Yeah, I was kind of looking. Uh, I was running. You know, remember, I, I kind of was almost not even aware uh, that Jay Wright had stepped down. Like, it was, seemed like so quiet. And then Kyle Neptune took over. I, I'm not even sure. Was he an assistant? Let, let's see here. No, he's at Fordham. Because um, I was wondering. There did I was like, oh, Bill Noble guy. He's going to be a really skilled, you know, in that – mold of uh you know jalen brunson and all the other guys um i will say this yeah this guy's explosive like this guy's got a handle he can put it on the ground his spin moves like he gets the basket he's not intimidated by anybody and those are the kind of yeah. guys i really like when i see guys coming in young it's youngsters into the nba because that translates right this guy isn't gonna is he's gonna get in there he's gonna get his shoulder into you you're gonna probably go flying he's strong that way um, so that was really great to see, uh, just offensively and how aggressive he can be. And he's a, he's a played one year, right? Yeah. Play one year. Um, now let me just really quickly check. Uh, I had this written down. Let me, let me find it again. Um, Cam Whitmore. Uh, he's, he shot from three. Uh, I checked this before. Let's see. He shot 34%. And again, it's weird. Again, now that the threes are becoming more prevalent, you're getting these guys who are, you know, they're at least going to get to like 30, like maybe they wouldn't have shot hardly any threes and now they're going to shoot them and, you know, make 34, which isn't great. Uh, I don't like his rhythm at all um, on his jump shot either. Um, it just seems like he gets the ball to his set point way too early and it's, it has to stay there too long for me. Um, but that's the kind of thing you can iron out, you know, especially, you know, sometimes it happens on its own because, when you rush the shot, when all of a sudden there's NBA guys closing in on you, sometimes you get better rhythm. Like Luca tends to shoot better when he looks like he's rushing to get the shot off because he doesn't pause at that set point and it just goes up and out through the, uh, the energy transfers right. And that could very well happen in a way, maybe by accident with Cam Whitmore, but then he, he can develop that and feel that. So, but at the very least, yes, this guy, I love the fact, I just love how he goes uh, and how he can accelerate uh, off the dribble. Yeah, he's a he's a great athlete. I watched him play a person at the Garden Big East tournament. He's like on he's a he's on a different level athletically than everybody else on the floor. Yeah, at least in that game I saw.
Yeah, and he's he's a legit six seven. Like he definitely seems like he's got that size. I don't know if he's got like what his wingspan is, but it certainly is something that uh, I'd be. I mean, for him, it depends on where he goes and where he gets drafted. But um, let me look at what's the top here because we're thinking he's going to go somewhere in the top top six at the at the least. He'll go yeah. top six. So he's at the probably least. somewhere like you know Houston's four, Detroit's five, Orlando's six. You know, you could see the magic taking him, another guy that can kind of create off the dribble and whatever. But, you know, everyone – shooting is the premium here. He's not that guy, I don't think, yet. He's not yeah. shooting and, great from the from – And the I, I think the magic specifically needs shooting at this point. Yeah. No, that, yeah. that makes sense to me. So magic's probably not the best fit for him. Uh, Indiana's seven. Interesting. That's not – yeah. That, yeah, I just don't think he'll last till seven. That's the issue. But uh, yeah. he would be a good fit for – I like him in Indiana. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, well, let's get to our next um, super chat here. So let me do this. Looks like it really stinks we got to do this, but present, share screen. Hang on. Uh, I think here we go. So we have uh, Alan Tran. This is his first super chat. Uh, thank you so much, Alan. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, and his and really generous super chat. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, great to have you part of the conversation. And he says, hey, coach, thoughts on Imani Bates, a hidden gem in the second round or G League? Um, I feel like I did watch him at some point. Tell me, Combo, what your thoughts are on Imani. Well, going back, way back to when he was high school, he was like one of those viral kids. They were calling him Baby KD or Little Kevin Durant, you know. Um, he has that type of game where he's like a taller player. He's not seven foot. He's like six, seven. But, you know, he went to um, Memphis. He was and, six, nine on the uh, on sports reference. So. Okay. He, he might be six, nine. But, um, you know, he went to Memphis and it didn't really work out with him and Penny. So then he went to Eastern Michigan. And he really like his game is really predicated on ISO scoring. And I think the thing is, you know, he's not that great defensively. He's not that great off the ball. So I think the thing is, is that teams want to know how he'll fit into an NBA system because you're probably not going to give Imani Bates the keys. Um, I think he can be a high-value second-round pick, though, because I think he's super talented, and I like what he was seeing in his workouts. And I did. he had some really high-scoring games at Eastern Michigan this year. So you never want to sleep on those guys that were that high in their class in high school. They were there for a reason. But I do think when it comes to fit in the NBA, that's where NBA decision makers see some issues. Absolutely. So, but but I I agree. I think as a second round pick, you could get a lot. You, you could get uh, production from him if, that you wouldn't normally get from second round picks for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, in that same role, remember we just we talked about it in the beginning with um, the Suns' issues with their spot ups. Is you know their stars would create openings for their role players. And that's why the, it's a premium to be able to shoot and dribble and drive and finish at the rim because, um, you know, teams are overloading now defensively to stop those the, the big guns. And there's a lot of opportunities now for those guys you know, to be catching the ball with space. And a lot, we still have guys out there that don't do that well with that. And that's, that's not – I think that's going to change. I, I would say within five years, you, you know, you simply aren't – it's by the, just by the by the uh, development process that we're going through, um, coaching wise, you're not going to have guys who are really one dimensional, right? Hey, it's not fun. You know, I was working with a kid who's going into ninth grade, and, and he's a six three or six two or six three, and they haven't played a big man. He almost never gets to go out to the wing. 
And I'm like, no, it's really too bad because, you know, you're going to be a guard pretty quick, you know, in high school. So I, I suspect that we're going to see a lot of those guys who are going to have much more varied games because they realize, hey, it's just more fun. It's just more valuable uh, to do that, to play to play a very myopic uh, um, focused role where all you do is like the catch and shoot, like the Cal Corver stuff. Uh, you know, I just don't see why that why anybody would want to gravitate toward that. You know what I mean? I just feel like there's just more interest in, in just as a as a personal thing to to de- develop more of those skills, and the coaches now know how to. So, it's funny. It's funny that those type of players used to be called tweeners, and now they're called like hybrids, and they're dynamic, and everybody wants them. You know? Yeah. Now the only problem though is you got to be two way, right? You got to be able to have the defensive component, and you don't think that he's got that at all? No. Okay. I well, don't, I don't. You know, you never know. Like guys who are really athletic and really long have a natural built-in, you know, advantage that if somebody can tap into that and figure it out, then maybe they could. But uh, yeah, I hear you. I, I'm I, actually, I mean, I'm actually somewhat of a believer. Like I think I'm a little bit higher on him than you know most draft analysts. Like I, I, he definitely is talented. Like he could get his shot off, and you know, obviously you see the size and the ability to shoot the basketball off the dribble. He could score, man. That guy could score. Yeah. And there's always, you know, there's, there's room for that, you know, uh, yeah. as, a, as a specific role to come off and, you know, get enough scoring out of him where the defense doesn't kill you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and again, if he goes to a team that just, you know, doesn't have a lot of pressure to win, uh, that really helps too. So, well, listen, I, I think we're getting, uh, we got past that magic number here for, uh, you know, how late it is for you and then um, how late we've been going, but this has been great. I'm really glad we can go through it. Although let me make sure my notes, we talk about everybody. Uh, we didn't talk about Brandon Miller. Yeah. One of my favorite prospects. Of this draft. Let's do Scoot first. So here's my quick uh, overview of my notes. He likes to hop into a shot, which for me is a big, I love it. I love to see it. It's like, I almost don't see it anymore. I was a really big hop guy for a long time and really just, you know, focused on that and really made everybody learn that. Um, and I feel like we've gotten away from that a little bit. I don't know if I see it as much as I used to, but I love that he does that. You know, he's not, a, a, he doesn't shoot up, you know, he's not an elite shooter, right? As far as I could tell. But, um, but I love that, you know, the built-in rhythm you get on the hop is important. And that's good to see both off the dribble and on the catch. Yeah, man. I mean, he's just a crazy athlete. He might not be like Derrick Rose or John Wall, but he's not too far off. And, yeah. you know, he has great vision. He's improving as a shooter. He competes on defense. And he's just like a crazy athlete in transition, just top-end speed. And, you know, he could score the basketball with either hand, finishes nicely in the lane. So, He's going to be a, I mean, you know, he's going to, he has a chance to be like the other generational guy outside of Wemby. And I think in a lot of NBA drafts, he would have been drafted number one, but it's just Wemby's draft. One, one guy that came, came to mind when I was watching him is Fultz a little bit. Okay. He's more athletic, but I could see it. And a little yeah. bit small and a little bit smaller, but I could see it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's got even more definition, like his shoulders and stuff. Uh, Scoot does, but like, I, yeah. There's an aggressiveness there, right? And shot creation that reminded me. And we've all forgotten probably why Markel Fultz was drafted number one. But when he was in college, he was he was like this. He played like that. It reminded me of him. Um, and a couple other things. Willing passer. Great to see. He's a willing passer, but he doesn't really read the defense very well. And I thought he, he got into some bad situations where he just, you know, doesn't process what's going on. And that's more experience than anything. But, you know, so I would expect to see a lot of rookie, r- rookie turnovers uh, all year long. Uh, and by fire, he will get steeled and get better at that. But I think in the beginning, you're going to see a lot of that. He does have that stupid jaw thing where he tries to dunk on everybody and he's flying all over the place and he's landing hard. You know, I'm sure you've seen that, right? Like that, I didn't yeah. have to watch very many clips to see him a couple times. Like, are you crazy, man? You're going to like, you're going to break your neck doing some of this stuff. Yeah. I mean, I don't think everybody keeps doing it like jaw though. So maybe he'll learn. Um, I hope you so. want, 
Yeah, if you want to shift the bread to Bill, I mean, I've been high on this guy since he was like in the 16s and 20 area in a lot of mocks. You know, like I felt like he should have been a lot higher than that back then. And I was saying early that I felt like he should be the number two pick, you know, um, outside of Wemby, even before March Madness, because he's 6'9", he's a three-level scorer, he's a good athlete, he's an underrated passer, and I don't really see where you could go wrong because you need guys around that size in the NBA. And he gives me, like, you know, these Paul George-type vibes. I don't know if he'll be Paul George, but, you know, that's the mold of player he is, and he says he really studied Paul George's game. So I love Brandon Miller, and I think he's going to be a great NBA player. I'm I'm trying to find his wingspan. Um, oh, here maybe I don't, I don't think it's crazy. I don't think it's I don't think it's a crazy wingspan. But here. the guy could shoot. Uh, Scoot has a six nine wingspan. Oh, oh Scoot! I thought you saw Brandon. I, I am, but but I just as I'm looking for the word wingspan, oh. he came up first. Oh, okay. And Miller has a wingspan of six eleven. Yeah. So at, at six nines, that's pretty good. You know, he's it's longer than he's tall. That's good. Um, yeah. Let's see. For for Brandon Miller, he also likes to hop. This was great. I was like, oh, we got some hop shooters in here. That's uh, great to see. Uh, and really good athlete. I really liked him. And then and I was like, my question was, is he long? Yeah, he's great wingspan, good athlete. I think that could be really helpful for him. Um, another guy who's got a, he's got a decent handle, and what I from what I saw, but doesn't read the floor that well either. And again, what twenty year old does at a high level, right? Um, at, at playing at the high level like he was at at twenty. You know, it's tough. Like, that's just the thing. You got to play a lot of games and really develop. So, uh, again, be prepared for turnovers that you're going to scratch your head and be like, this is a rookie. Um, really, and like, again, raw, it was unpolished. So, I, I don't know if Brandon Miller is going to have a, a huge impact uh, for a little bit, a little bit of time here. I think I like his, the way he gets off his shot from all three levels. I think he'll be good from the beginning. Like, I, I really? think he can really play. Yeah. I don't know. I think he's he's still he's unpolished. He's unpolished enough. Now again, the polishing happens right now, right between now and you know September with uh, these pro trainers. So yeah. a lot could happen. A lot could be developed. But from what we saw at the end of the season, um, oh he did he did. To be fair, as much as I like him, he did struggle struggle in March Madness. Oh yeah. And by the way, you know it's a really good indicator. You're playing against good teams. There's pressure. Uh, you know, there's the physicality, all the things you want to see, like in a, an NBA game. And if you get, you play multiple games, at least it's not just the one off Luke. He played in, I think, what, three? Um, yeah, it, but, you know, March Madness is crazy, though, man. That's that's not an NBA basketball. You know, it's funny, right, because if a guy goes off and goes crazy, you know, and then they draft him and he ends up never being that great, like that's that's dumb. But there is things to be gleaned, I think. And that part of that would be decision-making and court awareness, the things that I was watching for. Uh, and then, you know, the athletic ability too. Yeah, the, the, he definitely stood out in terms of aggressiveness as well, where he, you know, you could tell, right. You could see the difference in the D one game when you're a, you know, a top 10 pick, right. I mean, yeah. if you don't, there's, we got a problem and I'm a little bit worried about this draft. I don't know. Uh, aside from Wemby, I don't really know how strong this draft really is. What's, what's the overall take on this draft? Do people think it's a strong one? I think they like the first five picks, but then it's like a mixed bag after that, you know, yeah. first six. Yeah. I feel that way maybe even, you know, f after the fourth pick or the third pick right I now. I think a lot of people are a lot higher on, like, the Thompson Twins than you are. So they, they put them in that mix, you know? Yeah, I'm not I'm, – I they're not – I don't think they're ready. But we'll see. Uh, you know, I mean, Ahmed, Ahmed was, like, number three for a while, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, hey, God, God bless him. Uh, here we go. We got one last Super Chat before we wrap up here from Jalen Glenn. Let's do the quick uh, hack here. Um, all right, Jalen, thank you so much for the super chat. Really, really appreciate it. His question is, who would you rather have, Chet or Wemby? Oh, 
who would I rather have, Chet or Wemby? It's Wemby anyway, independent of the injury issue that makes me really worried about uh, Chet. But what do you think? Wemby, definitely. Yeah. And by the way, again, you're right. Chet is very skilled, and he could have a really good career. Um, I, I just I just worry. Have you seen him recently? No. Did he gain some weight? No, I don't know. I, like, I feel like he hasn't popped up. I haven't seen anything. Maybe they've gotten smart. They don't want to show any of his development or anything like that. But I would like to see what Chet looks like right now. It's been it's been a while since I've seen any footage of him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he could definitely – he actually, like, fits a need for that team. Like, they need some more rim protection. They need a big who could stretch it. So, you know, he's going to help them a lot. He's going to help them. Yeah. Well, bottom line is for Wemby, I really hope they let him play like a guard. If they throw him out there and he's got a guard center is in the post and they get – you know, they back him down and whatever – that's uh, what, he'd be much better playing uh, against the four, the three, and then he can come over and help. I agree with you because people were saying like CP3 should do the OKC thing again and go to the Spurs. I'm like, no, man, no, no. Eh, yeah, I don't know. No, I mean, I want I want Wemby to be like, I want him to have like, like that Press Maravich, that um, LeVar Ball type coach. Just let him play. You know what yeah. I mean? Let him no, use his creativity. Yeah. Yeah, he's got to he's got to be able to get a lot of perimeter touches to develop that because that's the that's the advantage, right? That's the real advantage you're going to have with him. In that same way, like like that cat was an advantage playing the five uh, for him, and then and then they get real Gobert, and all of a sudden they don't have that same advantage they did, and now they're you know in flux and, and sort of didn't they stall their development? So um, we'll see. Well, this will be the last test uh, of Pop to find out uh, you know where he stands in the pantheon of coaching. I think this is going to be a really good... Uh, All he has to do is let the guy play and give him reps. <laughs> right, that's that too. Um, all right, well, Combo, thanks so much for being here um, and breaking this down for us. This is great. Yes, sir. Always great talking basketball with you. For sure. Well, listen, anyway. to, that, listen, listen to Combo's Court, wherever you listen to podcasts. That's right. Lisa's in his podcast. If I don't remember to post mine, you can always hear his. Um, and by the way, are you posting this on yours? Is that what we're doing? I, I would post this one. Like I, I don't do every live show, but I do most of them on my pod. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll have to figure that out on too. Because maybe I have to have exclusive rights to my own podcast. I don't know. And put post them. So I don't know. We'll talk about it behind closed doors. Um, I was just thinking about that though. It's like in theory, shouldn't I be posting my podcast to my channel? So you're, saying, so you're saying you don't want me posting on you don't want me posting our pods on my well, anymore? One, maybe maybe not because you know I don't I need to have I don't know we'll we'll, we'll figure it out. I, and by the way, again, the reason why is like I always either I forget or I just haven't been posting them. It hasn't been a thing, so I got to decide if I want to make it a thing or not because maybe I don't know. People want to hear these. Uh, I don't know, or maybe it doesn't matter. I don't know. Anyway, awesome stuff. Um, maybe we'll just cut this part out of the show. What do you say? <laughs> who, who wouldn't want to hear us, Coach Nick? Come on. Yeah, who wants to hear us talking about the machinations of where we post our pods? But nonetheless, uh, awesome stuff. Thank you guys out there. Big time. Hop Hayes, Pimp, Name Slickback, Bron, The Age of Brevity, Alan Tran, and Dylan Glenn for those Super Chats. Combo for you being here, everyone else for being part of the conversation. And don't forget, sports fans, the P-Ball Breakdown, not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Combo? Yes, sir. <laughs>